Thank you, Pastor Emmanuel. Yeah, I just want to begin by saying, um, yeah, very thankful uh, for the opportunity uh, to serve in this uh, church family. Uh, so this is really new for me. Uh, not as new as the first service earlier on, yeah, uh, but it's very new and uh, I probably don't know most of you here except for a few familiar faces. Yeah, but I just want to say a very big thanks to the leaders uh, of Amokyo Methodist Church. Uh, they really have helped to, to welcome me and to help me to, to transit uh, to the new church. And also, of course, the pastors and all my fellow colleagues in Amokyo. Uh, just uh, maybe I just can put up uh, uh, again a, a photo of the family. Yeah. So this is uh, taken quite recently. Um, just again, uh, thanks Pastor Emmanuel uh, for welcoming all of us, uh, Yasmin and my two kids, as I mentioned. Uh, so a couple of years ago, we were in Canada uh, for my studies. I was studying at uh, Regent College. Uh, at, during the time, I, I heard this uh, sermon from Pastor Daryl Johnson, uh, preaching from Matthew 16, which is our scripture text for today. It really spoke to me at the time. And at the time, the Lord put upon my heart uh, that this is something uh, that perhaps one day uh, I will share with the church family. And so before the start of the new year, as I was praying on what to share uh, with all of you on my very first Sunday, uh, this came to my mind. And so can I invite all of you to join me as we look at the scripture text for today, taken from the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 16, we'll be looking at verses 13 to 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, please join me in prayer before we look at uh, today's text. Lord, indeed, we thank you for your word to us. And we, Lord, I pray for all of us that, Lord, you will open our hearts to you and help us to come in humility, help us to come in obedience to your word. And I pray that all of us, as we gather wherever we are, Lord, help us to know you, help us to draw close to you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned earlier, um, yeah, I heard this amazing sermon by Pastor Daryl Johnson. Uh, so today's my sermon. I must just want to say that uh, the flow of the sermon, the structure of the sermon is very much inspired by uh, the sermon. And I'll be touching on uh, two big questions. Two big questions. Who is Jesus? And what is church according to Jesus? 
And I want to highlight this powerful promise from Jesus to all of us. And this is what Jesus, uh, Jesus said to us. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So this is God's promise to all of us. Uh, I don't know, like I said, I don't know many of you here. I don't know where you are uh, in terms of uh, your uh, relationship with God, your knowledge of Christ. Perhaps you're new here and you want to find out more about Jesus Christ. I want to say this, you know, regardless of where you are, this is a promise that is for all of us. And, but you may wonder, what does it have to do with me? Uh, I don't work in church. Uh, I'm very passionate about church. I serve in church uh, passionately. But what does it have to do with me in my daily life? So to answer the question, we will have to go back to the two questions uh, that I will want to help us to go through today. Who is Jesus? And what is church according to, the, to Jesus? Because I believe that when we grasp who is Jesus and what is church, we will know that this is good news for all of us. And it has implications for us and for the world. But before we look at these two questions, let's look at the context of the passage. Caesarea Philippi was situated near the source of the Jordan River. Some of you here probably are more familiar with the landscape of Israel and you'll know where it is. It is very near to the source of the Jordan River, about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It was a Gentile area at the southern edge of Mount Hermon, in what is now called Golan Heights. Yeah, Gentile area, probably, as you know in the Bible, we differentiate two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Yeah, so basically, uh, they share very different beliefs and, and their understanding of God. The region was a spiritually dark place, and it was strongly identified with various religions. It has been a center of Baal worship. It was also a center of worship for the Greek god Pan. In fact, the area was formerly known as Paneus before it was renamed Caesarea Philippi. And there was a cave with a shrine dedicated to the Greek god Pan. And not only all this, Herod the Great had also built a temple there to honor Augustus Caesar, the emperor of the Roman Empire who gave the district to him. So it was amid this religious pluralistic setting that Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So this is the context. In the midst of a dark, pluralistic setting, Jesus asked this question. So our first question is, who is Jesus? And the disciples said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So these are all very good speculations in the days of Jesus. Um, if, again, if you know the context, you'll, you'll not be surprised that these names were raised up. But all these speculations about Jesus were inadequate to fully describe who Jesus is, though they all point in the right direction. So they're not far off. And so Jesus asked a second question. He said to the disciples, but who do you say I am? 
at this point, Peter, uh, not just speaking for himself, but speaking for the rest of the disciples, said this to Jesus. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me unpack this a bit for you. Christ means the anointed one or Messiah. In Jesus' days, many Jews believed that God would send an anointed king from the line of King David to free Israel from oppression and to bring justice and peace to the world. And the word for anointed king in the Jewish language, uh, Hebrew and also Aramaic, was the word we normally pronounce as Messiah. Nobody knew exactly what the Messiah would be like or when he would appear to save the world. In the first century, there were many so-called messiahs who came and went. They would attract many followers, but these groups, these movements would fizzle out when their leader was caught by the authorities. But not for Jesus and his followers. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah who has come to save the world from the effects of sin and evil. So we just read from the Gospel of Matthew. There's another Gospel, the Gospel according to Luke. And in it, it was recorded that when Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And this was his first public reading of Scripture in the synagogue. He unrolled the scroll and read these words. So again, listen to these words from the Lord Jesus. Luke 4, beginning with verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Verse 20, And He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on Him. And He began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is really important for us to catch. These prophetic words by the prophet Isaiah, Jesus said, These words has been fulfilled in your hearing today. So Jesus is the Christ the anointed king, the Messiah who has come to bring us good news. He has come to free us from the power and penalty of sin. He has come to bring justice and peace to our world. He has come to bring us from darkness to light. He has come to bring us from bondage to freedom. And the reason he can do all of this, as mentioned in Luke 4, the reason he can do all of this is because he is the Son of the Living God. I like uh, how C.S. Lewis, a, a renowned Christian author, puts it. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons 
of God. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Jesus is not just a good man. He is not just a faithful servant of God like John the Baptist. He is not just any other human prophet, a mouthpiece of God like Elijah or Jeremiah. Jesus is God. And because He is God, and because He came down to be one of us, it is because of Jesus that we can become the children of God. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, Peter, uh, if you are familiar with the, the Scriptures, the Gospel, you'll know that he, he did not always give the right answers. Very often, uh, Jesus uh, had to correct him. But this time round, his answer was spot on. It was so good that Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So how did Peter and the disciples know who Jesus is? It is not because they are smarter than others. It's not because they are more holy than others. They know who Jesus is by the grace of God. It is God's grace. It is God who enables them to know who Jesus is. And likewise for all of us here, it is God who enables us to know who Jesus is. And I believe this is what we do as we gather on a Sunday to worship the Lord. God is the one who enables us to go into His Word and to know who Jesus is. But the question for all of us is this, who is Jesus to you? It is very clear for Peter, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But who is Jesus to you? Timothy Keller, um, a great pastor, a great writer uh, who has gone home to the Lord, in one of his books, shared about his interaction uh, with a young girl uh, during his first pastorate. And this is what he wrote. Many years ago in my first pastorate, I met with a teenage girl in our congregation. She was about 16 at the time, and she was discouraged and becoming depressed. I tried to encourage her, but there was a revelatory moment when she said, Yes, I know Jesus loves me. He saved me. He's going to take me to heaven. But what good it is when no boy at school will even look at you. But what good it is when no boy at school will even look at you. Back to us. Perhaps all of us can say we know Jesus loves us. We know that He has saved us and He's going to take us to heaven. But do we say the same thing? But what good it is if I do not have my promotion at work? But what good it is if people do not appreciate me? What good it is if people are not listening to me? What good it is if my health is not as good as I want it to be? What good it is if I feel lonely but somehow there isn't anyone 
to make me feel otherwise. But what good it is. Friends, we may know the truth about Jesus Christ, but do we truly center our lives on Christ? Do we value Christ more than anything else in the world? Even the things that are very precious to us, like our family, like our friends, our career. Is there something else that is more important, more precious to you than Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Again, let me read from C.S. Lewis uh, from his book, uh, Mere Christianity. And he writes, Most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep the promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country, or first take up some subject that excites us, are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. I'm not now speaking of what would be ordinarily called unsuccessful marriages, or holidays, or learned careers. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. And now listen to this. There was something we grasped at, in that first moment of longing, which just fades away in the reality. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife, and the hotels and scenery may have been excellent, and chemistry may be a very interesting job. But something has evaded us. But something has evaded us. What are the things that we are chasing after in this world? And only to find out that there's still something that evades us. Are we going all around, putting all our energy, all our effort to, to chase after something or someone that only Jesus can truly do that for us? to truly satisfy us, to truly help us to be the person that God wants us to be. And that brings me to the second question that we want to talk about today. What is church according to Jesus? Again, we look at Matthew 16. And Jesus says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth shall be loose in heaven. For those of us who are into Bible study, who, who, who likes to read uh, all the commentaries, you will know that uh, there can be many, many opinions on these verses. Sometimes so much that we kind of miss what is the most important. But I want to highlight something really important from these verses to us. As we all know, Jesus said to us, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the good news for us. But what is church according to Jesus? First, we need to know that Jesus is the foundation rock on which the church is built. Jesus himself said so. So did Peter 
And so did the Apostle Paul. All the great men, even Jesus himself said, I am the rock. You know, God raised up many, many faithful men and women throughout the history of the church to be part of what He's doing in the church. And likewise, in Amokyo Methodist Church. And the same goes all the way back to the Apostle Peter, to the Apostle Paul. But the foundation of the church is not built on any person. It is not built on any particular uh, structure that humans come up with. The church is built on Jesus alone. Amen? And back to the question then, what is church? Jesus uses the word ecclesia for church. This is an important word for us to understand what church is all about. Ecclesia. Ecclesia is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Greek translation. So we have the English translation. The Greek translation of the Old Testament, it is used in it to refer to a gathering, a congregation, an assembly of people called out or summoned by God for a particular purpose. So imagine in the Old Testament setting, God calls His people to come together for a particular purpose. That's what Ecclesia means in the Old Testament. In short, it means a called out assembly a called out congregation. And so, why do we gather as a church on a Sunday morning like this? It is because God calls us, God summons us to come together for a fresh encounter with Him. We are here not just because, oh, we want to come to church. And that's why we begin with the call to worship. God is the one who calls us wherever we are, however the week has been for us, God calls us to come together for a fresh encounter with Him. And as the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus summons us to be anointed afresh with the Holy Spirit. And as the Son of the living God, Jesus summons us to submit to His rule over all of us as the King of Kings. But there's something else to the meaning of this word, Ecclesia. And this is something that I learned uh, from the sermon that I heard from Pastor Daryl Johnson. And he says that the word uh, does not, that when Jesus uses the word, he's not just building on the Old Testament meaning of the word. He is also working with what the Romans, the Greeks in his days meant by the word. So what this means is, if you are in that very context, when you hear the word, you will associate with this meaning. And what is the meaning of Ecclesia for most of the people? It refers to, as Pastor Darrell uh, says, the gathering of the citizens of the city to conduct civic business. That is the common understanding of the word ecclesia. It's not a very religious word. It refers, again, the gathering of citizens of the city to conduct civic business. Why did Jesus use this word? Because he wants us to know that when He forms the church, He's calling us to conduct His business in the cities. And I think this is really important that we must not miss out. When God calls us and summons us together, He's saying to us 
I'm here and I have business for the cities that you are living in. We all know that Jesus has come to restore the world. Jesus has come to save the world from the effects of sin and evil. And all of us are part of it. And so our gathering together is not only for our own sake, but also for the sake of doing the business, the will of God in our city. Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, is calling us to join Him in His mission to transform the world, to bring God's peace and blessings to our neighbours in Amokyo and beyond. Jesus has also given us the authority to usher in the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you buy on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loose in heaven. When we are doing God's business in our city, we are not doing it on our own strength. But we are doing it by the authority of Christ. And it makes all the difference. Because Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's what Jesus means by my church. Many churches in many parts of the world today uh, still suffer intense persecution for their faith. And the devil is constantly working to attack the church from within, to sow division, to plant deception in our minds. And so we need to constantly Uh, put on the armour of God to raise up our shields of faith against the works of the evil one. But the church is not merely on the defensive side. The church that is built on Christ is one which is called out by God, one that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to break into the darkness, to break into the injustice, the poverty, the godlessness in our world, and to rescue people from their bondage to sin and death. That's what Jesus did for us. And Jesus is calling us, His church, to be part of what He's doing in our city, in the world. And I use the words from the song that we'll sing in a short while. We are to shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. We are to shout Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. We are to shout Jesus for my family. We are to speak the holy name, Jesus, because the name of Jesus is power. His name is healing. His name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. This is who we are as the church. The church that is built on Christ is one which is on mission with the Master. We are to push back the darkness, to restore the world to God's original design, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't that good news? And so my point is this, and I I will bring all this to a close. The church and our Christian life are not simply about us. They are about God. It's about God's mission. It is about God's glory. Everything was created by God and for God, including you and me. 
We live in a world that's constantly telling us to live for ourselves. We become so busy going after the things of the world that we lose sight of the presence of God, let alone His mission and His glory. God knew that we would never live our lives for Him. God knew that we would never be the church that He wants us to be. So friends, the good news is this. And that is why God sent His Son, Jesus, to live the life that we couldn't, to die on our behalf and to rise again. And so, Back to our, our scripture text. Immediately after giving the promise, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What did Jesus say? He told the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus went to the cross so that we would be forgiven of our sins our sins of living in darkness, our sin of living for ourselves and not for God. Jesus was raised on the third day to prove that the gates of hell will not prevail against Jesus and will not prevail against His church. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for the church. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to all of us to carry on the mission of Christ and to bring God's shalom to the world. And so I close with this quote uh, from E. Stanley Jones, an American Methodist missionary from his devotional book. And this is what he writes. Someone has said, The early Christians did not say in dismay, Look what the world has come to. But in delight, Look what has come to the world. They saw not merely the ruin, but the resources for the reconstruction of that ruin. They saw not merely that sin did abound, but that grace did much more abound. And he closed with this. The whole secret of abundant living can be summed up in this sentence. It is not your responsibility, but your response to God's ability. So our responsibility now that we know the promise of God, the promise of Jesus, is to respond to His ability. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus invites all of us to be His church. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came to die for us and was raised on the third day to show us that, Lord, indeed, you are not done with us. You are not done with this world. You love the world. You love the people. And you long for all of us to know you, to be rescued from the effects of sin and evil, that we may enter into the fullness of life that you want all of us to have. 
And so, Lord, I pray as we begin the year, Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Grant us such faith to put our trust in Him. And Lord, that you awaken our hearts to your mission. That you awaken our hearts to who Jesus is. So that we do not live our lives on our own terms, but we live our lives fully for Christ. And I pray, especially for those who perhaps are still uh, learning and wanting to find out more about Jesus, Lord, I pray for them. That Lord, we know it is by your grace that we can know you. And we pray that Lord, indeed, help them to experience your grace. Help them to draw closer to you. Help them to know that you are God who loves them. And that you are everything that we need. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.